This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It's Thursday, it's the 9th of November 2023. And today, the launch of a brand new product that could be the best blind device ever. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yeah, no big build-up at all on that one. <laughs> hey, then, Sean. Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing Good very morning. well. I can't stop saying that now, Stephen Scott. That is your fault. My family hate me because every day I say, Good morning. Yeah, I think you could have just stopped the sentence that my family just hate me. Good point. And you could have left it there. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at my age, it's nice to be anyway. Uh, but listen, uh, uh, yeah, we do have a new product to talk about. Uh, very exciting. Uh, two new products, two. actually. Two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not yeah. one, two. I tell you, you know, when we said we'd do this show every single day. Yes. I kind of worried. I admit, I'll give you an example, right? So mm. uh, here in the UK, we have Sky, which is our satellite provider. And... Um, they offered on their cinema package, so at-home movies, they offered a new movie every day. Yes. And I thought to myself, how on earth are they going to do that? How can you have a new movie every single day? And then it very quickly changed to a new movie every time you turn on. And then it became a new movie every month. And like right, okay, ah. so this is just getting ridiculous. Yes. Basically, what they're saying is, yeah, you'll get a film whenever we can be bothered uh, to make one. <laughs> um, well, you know, I kind of worried when we started this show that it'd be like, can we talk about tech every day? Can we come up with new tech? Is, is tech moving at such a pace? We can talk about it every single day and bring something new to the table. And yes, we can. Can we do it? Yes, we yes, can. Yes, we can. Bob uh, the Builder, thank you. Thank you, yes. <laughs> I love the British references to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the only builder, by the way, in Britain that ever turned up on time. Uh, but yeah, so let's talk about one, because there's two products today I want to talk about. Not one, one is... Two. No, not one, not but one. Two. two. Not one. Yes. Two. And uh, <laughs> one of them is from a company called Humanware. Uh, you will may have heard of them. They, of course, are the company behind many of the wonderful Braille displays, like the Brilliant series and many other great products that Humanware uh, makes and sells. But this product actually comes from another company that Humanware will be selling on behalf of. It's a company called Thinkerbell Labs, and they've developed a new Braille learning tool called Annie. Now, you might have heard a few people talk about it online, but uh, we have the interview today with Andrew Flatress from Humanware to tell us all about this device and give us a sneak peek into it. Uh, Cost-wise, well, you know, let's just park that conversation for a minute or two. Uh, Let's just talk (laughs) about the device first. Let's get your, your excitement up. But look, this is really, I think, aimed at blind and low vision children please let it be aimed at low vision children as well and it's kind of like a self-contained learning tool uh, rather than what we've had before which has been classes led by teachers this actually allows for children to be taught on their own and it's a cool way of doing it i think i mean even when you heard it for the first time i think even you were quite excited about it i think you were almost tempted to get one yourself 
Yeah, joking aside, I would use this. Absolutely. It's very reminiscent of the mainstream devices you get. We've got a company over here, or at least we did do when my kids were little. Was it LeapPad? They did very similar things, very much electronic learning devices. And this is very much in that uh, in that niche, if you like. I thought it was really cool. I thought I could actually learn from it. Yeah, I know. I was the same. I mean, although it is a little bit childlike in its approach, it's not too childlike. You know, it doesn't feel like it is. And it's important to say this is really built for children under the age of or between the ages of, I think, three and six or three and nine. So now I feel stupid. (laughs) I know. But but again, I kind of hope that they, you know, consider that there are people who are not three or six or nine who might actually want to learn Braille and that they could benefit from this. I think it's the kind of thing that would show up in a library or a resource centre or perhaps a place where blind people might meet, say, in CNIB. There's lots of different places around Canada where people meet up, hubs they go to. Um, And I think that would be the kind of place you would like to see something like this exist. It may be that kind of solution rather than something that we all end up buying one of these. As much as it's great to have, you're not going to need it forever. You could you no. could essentially have one and then pass it on, or Absolutely. you know have one within a group. In a puff, a perfect world, we would see this in every school. I think, yeah, you know, not just visually impaired blind schools. I mean, in in every school that has a visually impaired student, you would see one of these in a perfect world. I thought it was really good, and as we'll find out, um, there is like the curriculum is built into it. So, uh, yes, there is that childish, almost like, or as it should be, child aimed at children um, gameplay as well. But you know, you can learn grade two braille in there and things like that. This is honestly, I think this is um, quite valuable when it comes to learning. So Andrew Flatter is joining us a bit later. We'll get to that. But to the other big story of the day, and this is the one I think a lot of the tech media is going to be focusing on because, you know, for a long time, the smartphone has been at uh, the helm of all of our lives. It's been a a major part of our lives. And for today's generations growing up, you probably wouldn't imagine a world without one. We, Sean and I, certainly knew a world without smartphones growing up. And, you know, we managed to survive, shocking as that may be. Barely. Um, and, you know, bear in mind as well that even the phones that did come along at the start were not accessible to us at all. So I you love know, you, we, Talks. Yeah, good old Talks. And that was kind of it, really, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, unless you were really geeky and you could make other devices talk, which, you know, it was very, quite, well, was difficult to do back then. But this is uh, two Apple executives who started a company called Humane. Um, and what they've come up with, and this is why I say this could be the best blind device ever, is they're envisioning a screen-free future. And this product, which launches today, is their first step. It's called the AI Pin. So this is a lightweight pin that attaches magnetically to your clothing, and it becomes, as far as they're concerned, your AI-powered personal assistant. So it uses a mix of software on board and OpenAI's GPT, and lets you do everything from asking complex questions to making calls, sending texts, all by using just your voice. Now, it gets better, Sean. I want one. A built-in camera can identify things <gasps> and provide contextual information, such as calorie estimates for a food item. Oh. Now, there is actually, and this is important because we've talked about this before, there's a prominent privacy indicator called the trust light which will go on whenever the camera, microphone, or input sensors are active to make sure everyone knows that it's listening or doing something. 
Uh, and if you need visuals, a tiny projector will then beam that onto the palm of your outstretched hand. Get out of town. This is like Star Trek. And it's available to buy from today. Now, I don't know how available this will be. I, I don't imagine one. you can walk into Best Buy and pick one up. If I you could, one. I'd be having it. Yeah, it's made it's made the list of times, best inventions, best 100 inventions of 2023. No surprise. Um, but what is interesting is there hasn't been a lot of talk about this, or just, not as much as I was expecting. Just what I was going to say. No surprise. Well, actually, yes. I mean, I think Mike Buckley from Be My Eyes uh, mentioned this uh, a few episodes ago when we spoke to him and something to look out for. But before mm-hmm. that, I rarely heard of it. It's, it's. I mean, if it does everything it says it can do, wow, this sounds ideal. This is very much like that film. Is it called Her or is it called She? I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember. But it's the AI, basically a film about AI, but the way they used to wear it out in the street is as an earbud. I mean, that's all you need if you can speak to it. And because of the the prominence of AI now, ChatGPT in particular, and how well that works in understanding you, this sounds fantastic. I've got to try one of these out. And in terms of size, I mean, it's quite small. And the the, the comparisons have been drawn to Star Trek Next Generation style communicator. I just did that. Thank you. I know, but that's what they're saying. It's like that, right? And it's round corner square or round corner square. Uh, type device, so very small. Um, almost, uh, almost. Like I've got the little uh, Rode Wireless Go mics, and it sounds a bit uh, of that kind of size, almost. But mm. I do like the idea of this just being there. The talk is it's going to be around a thousand dollars US. Um, if it's capable of doing all these things, I mean, if this is like be my eyes and a phone attached to your, you know, your your lapel or whatever, then that is going to be a very interesting product in our world. I am very, very interested in that. I agree. Yeah, this could be, um, this could shake things up, put it that way. This could be an everlasting love, as I believe Nat uh, Nat King Cole's uh, daughter uh, once said. Yes. Uh, And sang. Yeah, well done. Miss Miss King Cole. Yes. Um, (laughs) Look, we've been been waiting for the camera, uh, the, the wearable glasses for so long. And it feels like we're just kind of getting there now, what with Celeste and the, you, know, you could even say the um, meta glasses as well. But, uh, I mean, this seems perfect to me. I mean, the only reason we're talking about glasses is because it's a convenient wear, uh, place to wear a camera, right? But if you could wear it as a pin, as a badge, even better. Well, how many blind people don't want to wear glasses? Yeah, I mean, especially if you need as much light as possible to see better yeah. if you know what i mean um yeah 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 you you wouldn't want to wear sunglasses or you'd have to wear glasses with clear lenses but that this makes perfect sense sounds like the ideal form factor to me so i i, I mean very little detail beyond that we know it launches today um pre-orders have begun and uh, no doubt they'll be selling out i would imagine instantly but you know this is something which i imagine will roll out slowly because they're going to want to see what how this works. I mean, this has been tested for a while. It's interesting to hear Apple executives are behind this. That uh, yes. was interesting. Yeah. You you expect a certain level of engineering, a certain level of design at that point, right? And a, a certain yeah. uh, level of interface as well, the user interface, how this works and reacts. I'm really excited about this. You kind of wonder what happened. You kind of wonder what happened to Apple, though, because wouldn't you think this would be exactly the kind of thing Apple would want to bring out? Hmm. 
Now that's interesting, but where's the hook for Apple? Where's the, what service are they selling with this or would they sell with this? Apple Music? Well, no? I mean... No, they, <laughs> well, they're not going to stick Siri on it, that's for sure, because then <laughs> no, it would just be no, pointless. No. Yeah, but, yeah. But no, I, I think the question, and funny, we talked a little bit about this when we were watching the Apple Scary Fast event. And actually, when we, we were watching the OpenAI event the other day as well, which is, you know, what is Apple going to do? How is Apple going to respond to this? Because it's the only company, really, that we haven't seen debut anything yet in the AI space. We've seen little bits of machine learning coming through, but and that's what they call it. They don't say AI, they say machine learning. Um, but we we haven't seen anything yet, which kind of gives us an indication of what AI from Apple looks like. Maybe they'll just embed it and we'll just be so used to the way we use Apple, we don't think about the fact that it's actually all just underlying. I don't know. But, you know, because what we've seen from Microsoft is a product through Bing and through mm. Microsoft Copilot. Um, OpenAI's product is ChatGPT, which, of course, has has roots with uh, Microsoft now as well through huge investment from them. Um, Google has barred. Amazon are working on their own product. So, you know, it feels like there's something kind of bubbling. Apple is always behind on this or feels behind on this. I was going to say, it's the Apple concerned. way. Right? They're, they're, they're not behind on this. They watch, they stand back, watch the market, and then swoop in and say, okay, this is our take on it. And usually it's quite impressive. So I hope so. I don't think they can wait too long, though. I think uh, AI is no, moving at such a pace. They need to step in at some point. Yeah, there comes a point where it's like you're just last, you're just late to the party. Yeah. And, you know, this is all moving along very quickly. I mean, the thing is, I look at something like the Humane AI pin, and if you're looking for it today, Humane, H-U-M-A-N-E, AI pin. Um, but, you know, I look at something like this and I think, okay, this is this is version one of what is next in our world. I have to say, the idea of a screenless device that I can talk to, that perhaps with a Bluetooth keyboard and with a Braille display, I can get text entry and Braille entry and input. That as well would be interesting here because, of course, think about the community who cannot hear the responses, can't speak, you know, can't speak questions or ask questions. You know, deafblind people who would need to get some kind of response back in a different way through touch. You know, if that is capable of doing all this, and I don't know, we're putting a lot on this at the moment. We don't know much more than I've told you. But that is that potential for that new category of tech to take over would, I think, be very appealing to blind people. And of course, the great thing is it will be of interest to everyone else as well. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think privacy has gone. I think we're less interested in privacy as, a, as a, a generations coming up don't care about it anymore. They'll post anything anywhere. Cameras are out all the time, taking pictures of everything. They're, they're just, that's part of who they are nowadays. And I don't think that's ever going to change. Um, so devices like this with a camera in them are not going to frighten people the way they would have. My, my thinking on this has evolved purely because I see how people are these days. Everyone is walking around taking pictures of absolutely everything and you know, including their own face. And I think that is, and that's fine, good for you. But, you know, the, the reality there is your privacy, your not, people's knowledge of where you are at any given time. I saw someone the other day, you know, packing up, going on holiday, talking about it on Facebook the, on the hour before he left the house to go to the airport. And I'm thinking, you've just told the entire world you're going on holiday and you've left your house empty. What are you doing? But 
They don't care. They just don't care. No, it's because the people world's a great anymore. place. All that happened that people will keep an eye out on his place for him while he's away because the world is amazing and beautiful, Stephen Scott. Yeah, I went on a honeymoon, told no one about it. Mm. I mean, you know, close friends, family obviously knew we were going on honeymoon. Yes. Uh, I came back to find that a, a outside our flat at the time, we had a little cellar where we would keep, you know, not not hugely expensive or concerning things, but just, you know, it was a store. And yes. it had been emptied. Yeah. And what was most interesting was the burglar did not seem to break in. They must have had a key. And then we found out that everyone in the in, in the apartment block we lived have a key. had access to it. That's interesting. You have a cellar outside of your house. I mean, that's that's only in Scotland. Well done. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Toilets, bathrooms, restrooms, nothing Everything in the outside. house. Get it all outside. Absolutely. Someone was probably doing you a favour, thinking they want this all cleared out. I'll do it while they're on their honeymoon. They'll like that. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for that. Anyway, yeah, world's a great place. So, yes, Humane AI pin is out. We're going to talk more about that in the coming weeks because I think I that like is a story one. I'm definitely I wanting would, to know more I about. I would like one. If anyone's listening, ex-Apple executives, then I'm quite happy to review one um, for you. You're welcome. Please. Uh, Dean got in touch with us oh, regarding no. Call Annie. Uh, Laura, of course, reads our emails. Hi, Stephen, Laura, and Longnose Jim. Well, before I start this time, I seem to remember someone else came up with the name Longnose Jim for Sean. When I heard that, I just roared with laughter so hard and long, I nearly got a stitch. I think in what a hard case nickname for Sean, going on many descriptions he's given the audience of himself. So then I think, and why not? I'll call Sean that forevermore when I write in. Well, at least until Longnose Jim gets the high jump. Right then. What? I'm here this time about Call Annie. I've noticed probably in the last month, I want to say, there are several options in which you can pay for the service. But just in the last two weeks or so, I'll be having a glorious conversation with her. Then she'll up and say, before I answer that, would you like to subscribe to Call Annie Super for unlimited calls and other services? So I want to ask, what would these other so-called services give you? I mean, $15 New Zealand is quite a lot a month. And, well, you may be able to do similar on the Perplexity or ChatGPT. If it's for the ongoing conversation from topic to topic, well, I'd probably willingly give her 15 big ones a month. On the topic about whether to use the word blind or not, it doesn't bother me at all, as that's pretty much what I am anyway, despite having a tiny wee bit of vision. I think also, if someone is completely deaf and don't hear anything at all, they should be referred to as deaf. They're not hearing impaired, as they would be needing hearing aids to hear an itty-witty bit. Before I go this time, how many of the clever Trevors out there use the text detection? I find it not too bad with receipts and the very rare mail. It's not bad on CD covers, remember those people? And it's even quite good with handwritten stuff. Cheerio for now. Dean in New Zealand. Thank you, Dean. Lots to pick up out of that. Uh, where do you want to start, Sean? Um, okay, Call Annie. I must admit, mm. I've stopped using Call Annie. There, I've said it. I, I was very <gasps> impressed when it was first released. It was a, a, a real interesting implementation of AI. And uh, it was a lot of fun. But um, I'd, I'd find it just a little bit 
great for a conversation, but not for much else. I'd rather go to the ChatGPT website or use an app or whatever else, you know, for questions or whatever else. So um, I haven't really looked into it. I'm not sure what the paid services would get you other than access to lots of different characters. And as we've mentioned before, some of the characters have specific tasks, if you will, you know, like a PA or secretary giving them access to your calendar. But um, when I was playing with that, it wasn't particularly impressive. So, uh, yeah, my answer is I don't know. Sorry. Well, I did look into this a little bit, actually, not before you sent this email, Dean, because I, too, had been playing around with new characters in Colani, and I was asking the virtual PA person, I can't remember the name, but the one that was the virtual PA, I was asking, what does paying money do? What does it give me? And and there was no real answer to it. But what I could glean is that ultimately it's about gaining access to longer conversation. So there's, it seems to be some kind of limit, although it's a little bit arbitrary as to what that means, but there's a limit to how much conversation you can have. And that's partly driven by the fact that it costs quite a bit of money to essentially have these sessions, as they might call them, these conversation sessions. So the longer the conversation goes on, the more money it's costing the company. So they're trying to recoup some of that. Uh, so really, it's just giving you access to a longer conversation. It's like, if you're enjoying this conversation, you can keep it going by spending money uh, because that will allow you to have that conversation. You're, you're paying to talk, essentially. Um, that is really all the money gives you. It doesn't seem to add any extra functionality to the individual um, AIs at all. Um, that seems to be just built in, but it's how much you can say to the AI, how much conversation you can have. I suppose so, it's a bit like leveling up from uh, GPT-3, 3.5 to 4, and now, obviously, 4 Turbo. Which um, is cheaper, or made GPT-3 and 4 cheaper. So I, I don't know what that means long term. Yeah, you may see that reflected in the subscription It costs. might come down. Yeah, the price might come down. Or the features get better, because that's the thing, right? We're going to see better responses, or at least quicker, more swift responses. The voices will be better. And the cutoff um, points more recent as well, April 2023 mm. rather than September 2021. So you should get better responses. Yeah, maybe. You might find that you'll get more for your money in the long run with this. That's, that certainly seems to be the case because I, I don't think anybody knows how to price this yet. Not really, because there is no structure as such. Everyone's just feeling their way a little bit on the best way to to actually price this because there isn't really a way of doing it that is in any way... The, the the done way. Yeah. You know, it's just stick stick fifteen dollars on it, that'll do. <laughs> Sounds about just right. Why not? Yeah. And uh text detection. Um are we talking text detection built into the iPhone? That was uh, you know what I still find seeing AI short text easier to use, more convenient. Um better in some cases i do like the detection mode don't get me wrong i'm really enjoying the door detection i think that works really well and that reads a lot of information on the door itself the number opening times things like that so um yeah I, i'm still getting to grips with uh, the detection mode to be honest i cannot get the point and speak feature to work at least on the only thing i want to use it on which is my microwave i think it's all to do with positioning and getting the camera and uh, i just it's not working for me but uh, detection mode in general, yeah, I like it. The voice streamer scan app is very good. I like that because it, it will take whatever you give it and it will convert it to text. So it's very similar to what Seeing AI does, actually. Uh, but you do have to search for VD scan. And I don't know, I answer a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think no, they can rename right. that. Yeah, yeah, please do. 
Don't and, search for that in the app store unless you're absolutely certain you know what you're looking for. And just make sure it definitely is the voice dream reader Let's of people. Let's quickly are... move on, Stephen. No, he, it is, though. He's, it's just, stop, stop it. don't want to get That's, mixed stop up. Stop it. The, um, don't think uh, yeah. the phone's that clever stop anyway. It. It's fine. The, the real-time feature, though, the, of, of short text is the thing that, that does it for me because you don't have to take a picture... Turn it around because it's not. There's no text there. Take another picture. You can simply, you know, it just shouts out whatever word it sees, and you yeah, can usually understand what it is from that. That's fine if you just want to grab, like, you know, I use it on my computer all the time. It'll say, you know, your computer's updating. You know, please don't turn off. That's right. Great for that kind of thing. But if you're talking about wanting to, let's just say, you want to, um, yes. I don't know. Come on. Get some gift yes. cards numbers from, say, an Apple uh, gift card. Yes. Um, that could be useful there, right? So, you know, it's just, it's just finding the tool for the, the job, really, yes. what, you're, what you're looking for. Uh, Gavin got in touch regarding the action button, and he wants to ask a question about that. Hi, Stephen, Sean and Laura. I hope you're all well. I was wondering if anyone has any good recommendations for the action button. I've just got the iPhone 15 Pro Max and currently have it set to short text for seeing AI, which has already been worth the money for upgrading, so I don't have to put up with Siri saying, you don't have an app called Seeing You, when I ask it to open <laughs> Seeing AI. Thanks, Gavin. Well, I have to be honest, guys. I My action button, I tend to just keep it as ringer. <gasps> I, find, I changed it to a few different things. I tried it to voice recorder. It was very good, but I kind of thought... You know what I could really do with you? A second action button. Because I kind of like my ring switch That's as very it is. true. It's very so, true. So, yeah. More action buttons, please. More buttons on the next iPhone, please. It does depend on what you find yourself needing most. Uh, seeing AI is actually a really good use for that. But the, yeah. the trouble is, now that shortcuts... Sorry. Now that gestures can be customised to run shortcuts, um, you could do the same thing with, let's say, a, a four-finger swipe up you could run a shortcut to open seeing AI or anything you like. Or how I was using the action button when I first got mine was to run the chat GPT voice conversation. So I was using it just as I would be using any voice assistant. Um, but again, if you're using that via shortcuts, you can assign a gesture to that. So um, I really do like the voice memos feature, though. It, it does yeah. make your phone feel like a dictaphone, and it, it works very well. So... Um, yeah, I'm hoping we'll see, hoping we'll see more customization to that. You could argue that all you need is shortcuts and do whatever you want, but I still find the shortcuts app itself very um, it, well more complicated than it need be, and I think it would frighten so many people off creating their own shortcuts that maybe we should see more pre-made ones actually in the action button settings. But um, yeah, I like the voice memos thing or the uh, setting it to take a video straight away because i hate going through the camera and then having to swipe through the various modes to choose what i want um so yeah i still find it very useful this is i think what the ai think could really be good with apple because i feel this is one area when it comes to uh, apple with shortcuts it just is not apple at all it doesn't feel like an apple product when i go into shortcuts it feels like i'm in the old automation or automator app of old on the mac yeah which you know, again, you felt you had to have some kind of like training or understanding of programming before you could even think about using it. Well, this was a third-party app. This is how it started life called Workflow. And actually, mm. it was so much more usable. Now, arguably, it wasn't as powerful, obviously. Now that Apple have got it, they've given it far more access to system resources. But um, I've got to say, I find the user interface really confusing. And it's not 
intuitive at all, which, like you say, isn't Apple-like whatsoever. And can but, I just say as well, you know, you can download shortcuts from other places. You can, you know, people will say on websites, hey, you know, I've created the shortcut here, you can have it. And that's brilliant. Until you sometimes download them or you add them to shortcuts and then it doesn't work because, you know, there's perhaps a specific thing that that person did on their machine that maybe is an app that isn't on yours or whatever it might be. And because you don't know what that is and how it works, you're just tempted to go, forget it. I can't be bothered with this. It yeah. just doesn't work for me. Usually you've got to go in and customize a particular action. So there was one for ChatGPT back in the day where you had to enter your own API key. And just the, the process of going in, finding the action and editing text in there is actually really difficult. Well, yeah. compared to how Apple usually is. And I think most people just, ah, yeah, it's not worth the time. Sticking with Apple, Glendon got in touch with a fix or a possible fix around the Siri issues we've been having. Hi there, Stephen, Sean and all double tappers. I was just on the phone with Apple and apparently there is a fix in the works for our Siri problem following up after we question her. For now, if you say, I'm done, that's it, I'm finished, go away, etc., you can stop Siri from listening further after your initial request. That's it for now, and all the best from Glendon in Toronto. Tap, tap. Tap, tap. <laughs> tap, tap to you. Thank you, Glendon. <laughs> I use that uh, all the know. time. I always say goodbye, because otherwise they, uh, Siri just hangs around. For example, I'll say, if I've put my phone on the side and I'm in bed listening to something, I can adjust the volume, you know, Siri volume up or volume down. Um, but then just say goodbye straight away and it goes away and it goes back to playing what it was playing before. Otherwise, mm. it seems to hang around for ages. But yeah, that's that's very true. And of course, don't forget my tip about getting rid of the back-to-back -back feature. Go to settings, go to accessibility and go to Siri and turn on type to Siri and the back-to-back -back feature will be disabled. There you go. Ah, interesting. Okay, thank you for that. Keep your feedback coming. We'll get to more of it uh, shortly. Feedback at doubletaponair.com at one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Lots of you getting in touch to uh, welcome our new website to the fold, doubletaponair.com. Thank you for those of you who've been checking it out. You can uh, catch clips and videos and all kinds of stuff we're creating. Uh, we've got a bit uh, media, multimedia madness over here uh, at Double Tap, but we're having a lot oh. of fun. Are we and, content uh, creators now? We are content creators. Shh! Don't, don't wake him up now. You know, you know. Sorry, Mr. It. F. He will not like that. <laughs> not interested in that over here. Unless the content is whiskey, he ain't interested. Uh, stick around. <laughs> this is Double Tap. Call the Double Tappers now. 1-877-803-4567. Or email us. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Welcome back to Double Tap. And today we are talking about Braille as a subject, Sean, that you and I love to talk about. And I think we're pretty good at talking about it these days because <laughs> we talk about it all the time. And I often talk about the education side of it, but I think also you know, the learning is the key, right? And how we learn is is often a challenge because there are lots of different methods uh, perhaps to learn, but it always seemed to involve being in front of someone. And the challenge is how can a child, for example, on their own, learn on their own without someone with them? Yes, it seems so often we talk about how important Braille is. And um, it always comes down to the education and the training and the learning and the teaching of Braille is 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 key. As you said, in the past, we've seen the, those resources go down, but thankfully they are coming more and more now. 
Well, with us today to talk more about this and in particular, a new product that is coming out. I love new toys. Andrew Flattres <laughs> is here from Humanware. Good to have you with us, Andrew. How are you today? It's good to be here. Thanks very much for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, it's great to have you here because a great chance to talk about this. So this is uh, a product from a company called Thinkerbell. It's called Annie. Tell us all about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I also love new toys. And and this actually came about probably around about 2017 initially. Uh, this company, Thinkerbell Labs, it was a, a startup company that, uh, that came over to, I believe, the Bet Show at that point and presented what was Annie back then. And, and we loved the concept. We really did love the concept. And where it is today, and I'll go through what it is today, um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's a great learning tool for, for someone who's learning Braille. Uh, it's designed to give preschool and primary school age children that head start in learning Braille. Uh, and Annie is a self-learning electronic Braille device that teaches reading, typing, vocabulary, spelling, and uncontracted and contracted Braille most importantly, in a fun game-like format. And that's that's really unique because, you know, we know that teenagers, uh, ch- children today, they don't like to learn things unless they're fun, right? <laughs> so this uh, Annie product is fantastic, and it really gets you uh, engaged in learning of Braille without realizing you're learning. And that's the best bit about this, right? Because it's learning to use a product uh, which is cool, obviously, in itself. And kids love to learn new toys and new products and all of that stuff. But, you know, when it comes to actually learning Braille, you have to make that fun. And, you know, I have to be honest, Sean and I have both been trying out various methods. I think I'm better than he is, if I'm being brutally How honest. Because you? I've, uh, well, no, look, I mean, come on. You know, when it comes to learning the Braille, you know, the you've, Braille. you've fallen behind. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yes, true. the Braille. I've learned grade one Braille about a thousand times. Yes, and never got any further. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's it's because of that aspect, right? It's it's not it can be a little bit boring at times. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, the the pre the first concept really is the pre-skills, the pre-browse skills as well. So, you know, you don't necessarily have to get a, a, a student on Annie um just when they're learning Braille, you know, maybe at uh, the age of five or six. You could actually use Annie for pre-Braille skills. And there are games such as the Wacker Braille or Wacker Key, uh, a bit like the old Wacker Mole, um, really just to get the the idea and the concept of Braille dots. And on Annie, there is um, two different sizes of Braille cells. There's the Jumbo Braille. So there's two Jumbo Braille cells. And then there are six uh, traditional standard size Braille cells. So the idea behind this is that, you know, the pre-Braille skills you'd start off with on the uh, the larger jumbo brow, and then you transition over the period of time onto the normal brow size spacing. Um, so yeah, overall fantastic device. I've, I've had my children on it for uh, for, for hours. <laughs> <laughs> Beta testers, I like it. Um, so can exactly. You, can you give us a quick description of the actual design of this? How it looks? Sure. Um, so it's a small portable, well, say portable, it is powered, but it is a fairly small device, um, probably the size of, I guess, an, an kind of an iPad, but relatively thick. I don't know if you've had the Stratus, the Victory the Stratus models. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a kind of that kind of size. Um, on the top left, there's two uh, large jumbo brow cells. Um, then to the right of that, we have a speaker in the middle. So your the audio is not text to speech either. So it's actual human um, human voice. We then have the uh, the six Braille cells of normal spacing, a normal size. As we get towards the middle middle of the device, we then have our six uh, Perkins style keyboard, 
and oh, there we go. So talking. <laughs> we then have a back space and an enter key, and then we have a space bar, a left arrow, and a right arrow to navigate through our menu structures. And of course, you've just heard the the voice there. We do have volume controls. We do have a head jack, um, so you don't disturb other children in class. Um, and on this device, it includes Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. The reason why you'd use Bluetooth, and this is particularly fantastic for teachers and parents, in fact, is that you could track the progress of their learning. You capturing all the analytics of how your students progressing. Are they um, struggling on certain contracted words? Um, you can set different homework for the student, and all of that gets synchronized through this um, online system called Helios. So with Helios, it allows you to to track and create um, fantastic graphs and pie charts for teachers to show the progression of their learning. And and who doesn't like pie charts and graphs, right, when you're a teacher? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm so, so excited I beyond myself with that one. Uh, but no, honestly, this is great. And, and the fact that teachers can watch along and, and people can watch along. But the key thing is the children can learn on their own. I think that's the key point, right? That's the really interesting uh, and I guess, the selling point of this device. So how did Humanware get in touch uh, with, with Thinkerbell? How did you guys connect and, and how did this partnership happen? Sure. Um, so as I mentioned, we, we can't, well, we've we been in contact with them since 2017, but nothing came around uh, until now. And it wasn't probably until they um, sent out a, another iteration of, of Annie called Polly. So Polly is another version of Annie, which is uh, in America and has been distributed by the American Printing House. And it was at that point where we really saw the power of what Annie can do. And, you know, Humanware, Humanware's DNA is Braille. Uh, Braille literacy is part of our DNA. And that's one of the things when, when we saw this Polly was the same as Annie um, and how it was um, well received from students uh, young kids, teachers, it really got me thinking about, wow, this is a fantastic product that we need to really distribute this into other other areas of the world because it's too good not to. It really isn't. It's 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 a too good of a product. Nothing out there like this where it teaches you um, Braille in that fun way, but then also it's an additional tool. So I don't want to say that it's going to replace any TVIs, not at all. TVIs mm. are fantastic on what they do and they improvise but this is just another tool that they can have in their toolkit that they can give to a student and allow that student to learn braille on their own and while they'll do something else because they don't have enough time in a day these teachers <laughs> absolutely so what what is it about this that that made you or humanware recognize this as something special is it the software or is it the hardware or a combination of the two because it does sound like a sort of scaled down standard braille display from what you described there with uh, braille cells and the braille keys so i'm just thinking could this software be this teaching software side of it could this be used on normal braille displays in the future is it something you may think about adding a teaching mode if you like <laughs> Yeah, it's a very good point. And that was what really got me initially excited when we first saw them in 2017. This software that they use called Helios that captures all this data as well. Um, that got me really excited. But back then, they they never had a full uh, curriculum based of grade two or uncontracted brow. Um, so since then, they've really worked hard on that. So it's a combination of the two. And I think it, the, the most important part is the Jumbo Brow transition to the normal brow spacing. OK, I'm not a 
a huge fan of Jumbra Brow, and I think there's a lot of people out there that say Jumbra Brow is not the right way to go. Um, however, it does serve a need, and that's where that pre-skills, the pre-brow skills, it's a bit like having an egg cup. You know, they have like the um, the, the the twelve or the six eggs, and trying to get the feel yes. and the shape of where the dots are, and yep. that's the main purpose of those jumbo brow. And then hopefully, then you're transitioning to the normal brow spacing sooner rather than later. Um, but the software inside, so there's kind of two pieces to the software. There's the software that's integrated into Annie, and then there's the software with the Helios, which synchronizes all the data, uh, and that's what's you know again unique in its way uh, so it's it's an old rounder it, it's a great product it's not a braille display though just to confirm because the braille cells you've got six cells um and it's purely just um showing certain letters or words and the reason behind six cells is because the biggest uh or the longest contracted word consists of six cells uh-huh. do you know what it is steven does <laughs> don't no yeah. No, I don't. Yes, he does. No. He's I done all the training. I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason why. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But I'm sure if we ask GPT, it'll tell us. Uh, it will absolutely answer to that. <laughs> Maybe even Google will know in the old days. Um, you know, it's interesting you bring up the point about Jumbo Braille. There is a bit of a conversation in our community at the moment about what Braille choice should be. And I think that obviously the challenge at the moment is because the Braille display technology we have is is fixed. You know, the technology is is fixed. So Braille displays are a fixed size. It's not something that's customizable. It's not like text on a screen that you can change to 56 point if you'd rather or 128 point if you'd rather. And, you know, technology, if it was able to bring that about, would really, I, I, I guess, give the option, give the, the change um, or give the, 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 op- the option of change, I mean. Um, so in a way, it could be a good thing for us to have more choice in that regard, but it's not possible yet technically, is it? No, I mean, traditionally, Braille is at that standard size Braille. So when you look at Braille labels on medicine bottles, et cetera, tablets, you know, it's the standard size Braille. Um, but yeah, you've got a, you have a valid point there, Stephen, you know, changing the size of Braille. But I think you'd have to really convince um, those that are high in the UCAF and the banner um, about that standard. Um, not me. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I want to ask you as well, um, because of course this is a product that's going to be available uh, in the UK, but of course uh, human wear is available around the world. So, you know, is this going to be made available in other parts of the world as well, as well as the UK into Canada, for example, US? You mentioned Poly, of course, which is the uh, similar equivalent there. Yeah, so Poly is in the is the APH product, and that will be distributed in America. Uh, for Annie and the HumanWares link, we'll be distributing that in the UK, in Ireland, New Zealand, Australia, and we do hope. I say we do hope to go towards Canada, but that hasn't been agreed yet. Um, and then, yeah, who knows next? But definitely, we we are really pushing towards distributing Annie in uh, you know across the globe. Sounds brilliant. And, and in terms of costs. Um, is this something I, mean, I always, I'm so nervous to ask this question every time because I think I, I just know it's going to have a price tag on it that is going to be a sizable. Are you aiming this at education markets or individuals? Both really. And that was, that was key when we looked at the pricing. So, um, of course we have to keep in mind the amount of effort on the, the curriculum, you know, learning contracted brow, there's, there's been a lot of effort behind that. The price point, there's two different price points because this does come with a subscription base. And the the two different price points is £1,295. And that's with a one-year subscription of Helios, which allows you to track your data, but then also gives you 
uh, additional features. And then there's the two-year subscription, which we're looking at um, £1,495. Okay, that didn't, that didn't horrify me, Sean. <laughs> uh, well, again, the, the reason I did the comparison to the, the sort of scaled-down Braille display, because I expected the price to be around there, because as soon as we start talking about Braille sales, um, the price starts to go up. I mean, it, it is a considered purchase. There's no getting away from that, Andrew, mm. at all. But, um, I mean... Yeah. It's its purpose is fantastic, and the way it seems to go about it seems really um, seems really good to me. The education market, I think, I could see this really really going strong. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely sure. Um, there's, there was one thing I did forget to mention as well is as part of Annie that you do get this points structures or, or stars. So as part of the games that you're as you're entering all these different games, you'll be able to build up your points. So the more points that you get. Um, Obviously, you keep with a higher score. And that's what really attracts a lot of the young kids today is that they want to then try and beat their high score. Do you mind if I just quickly just turn turn it on and just show you a little bit with the actual Annie that we have? So of course, please. Okay. Or play Wacker Braille. English Braille <laughs> Grade Wacker. 1. Wacker Key. Let's play Wacker Braille. In this game, I will tell you which Braille dots to press. And you will have to press that dot down on the large Braille display. So this is a perfect free Braille skill. You know, you're using yeah. the jumbo Braille here to actually push the dots down. Oh. And so as you start to play, it will give you either the right sound or the wrong sound. Give it a go. Ready, steady, go. Dot five. Dot. Two. So all I'm doing is I'm actually on the jumbo brim, uh just pushing the, the dots down, and then they'll just pop back up. So that's just kind of a quick intro. I won't carry on as I get carried away. <laughs> I think we got the gist of it, though. We could hear it. The voice was very clear. I'm, I, I was expecting you to use the Perkins keys there to, to press, you know, represent the dots, but you actually could use the jumbo braille cell itself. That's really cool. Yeah, so there's a difference of the Wacker Braille and the Wacker Key. So the Braille is just to get the combination of the Braille dots. And then the Wacker Key is just get the um, get your fingers in the right position. So it, it tells you where the correct position of your fingers should be when it comes to the keys uh, and gives you a full introduction of what Annie is at the very beginning. Um, so, yeah, as I said, overall fan, a fantastic device and looking forward to getting this out the door, which uh, the launch should be around January time. Brilliant. Well, we wish you all the best for it, Andrew. Come back soon. Tell us more about what's happening at uh, Humanware. It's always interesting and great to catch up with you. Likewise. Thanks very much, guys. Thank you. So a really interesting conversation there with Andrew learning all about this new device. I have to say, I mean, I know the, the price is always going to be an issue for these things. But like I said earlier, I think this is the kind of thing you're going to find in a library. This is something you're going to find in a resource center. It's not the kind of thing we may necessarily buy ourselves uh, unless, for example, uh, you know, everyone in the family is blind, you know, and that's not that unusual as people might think it might be. So, you know, if everyone wants to have a go and learn Braille, then it could be useful for that purpose. But I think otherwise you're going to find this in a resource center, schools. Um, you yeah. know, I'd love to see one of these and actually just, you know, just sit and learn in this way, you know, through remote learning, which is brilliant. Yeah. And of course, you know, aiming at such a young audience is, is key. Right. And at the point of that, what Andrew was saying there about making it fun, 
because it's so difficult to get kids to learn anything. I mean, I was exactly the same when I was trying to learn touch typing. It was so incredibly dull, especially on those old typewriters when, <laughs> when I was learning. You've got to do something to maintain that interest, to keep up that, that, that sense of fun, right? And, and that's key to learning. So, yeah, I think this is really, really cool. Yeah, I do too. And I think this is going to be really interesting to see develop over uh, the next couple of months because, you know, this is coming out, what, January, he was saying. So, you know, we're going to start to see this drop at, at different points. I think this is going to be really interesting. And I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it as well. Because, you know, really, what are the options? I mean, so at the moment you've got, I mean, here in the UK, we've got the fingerprint course. And I don't know how widespread that is. You actually get Hadley. Now, the good thing about Hadley is that is something you can do remotely. Um you can do the fingerprint course remotely as well, as long as you have access to um, a way of, because this is the challenge, right? For me, it was being able to keep my hands on the, the page of the Braille because you get the books, but then you also get the USB audio version uh, or SD card version. I think you can get nowadays, used to be CD, uh, Daisy CD, but now, of course, you get the USB, whatever. You have to be able to play that in and control it. You know, it's not like the old days where I would just have a tape deck sitting next to me play yes. pause play pause <laughs> yeah. in fact going further back than that i used to have one i controlled with my feet which was brilliant huh. i had a foot pedal and you would just press the foot pedal to start oh, stop rewind yes. it was amazing yes. um and that foot pedal i mean you know you wouldn't want to drop it on your foot because your foot would no longer exist i know they were huge we used them in in touch typing actually we used them for uh, the same thing yeah because a lot of my friends went off to become transcribers, and that's what yeah. they used. Transcription pedals would use be, be used for that because it was really useful. But yeah, the, you, you need to be able to have access to all of that. That's the key in order to do it remotely. The other thing, of course, is getting your work checked. And this is where the challenge comes, because if you're doing stuff, say you've got the Perkins Brailler at home, again, another thing you'd have to have, you'd need the Perkins Brailler at home. You're then kind of marking your own homework. And is there a guarantee that you're going to get stuff wrong and miss it? Yes, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> in my case, so, absolutely. You know, you think, oh, I've got it bang on. I mean, I, I held in my work. I was lucky because I had a, a teacher, a tutor who I could go to. When I was handing in my homework, I was being told, I'm, I'm like, yeah, that's 100%. I'm absolutely certain of that. Yeah, it would be absolutely fine. And she's like, yeah, I've made all these mistakes. Cross it and out. Like, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so, you know, these are the kind of things we need to uh, to be aware of. And that is where this kind of device comes in. So very, very interesting. Now, look, speaking of Braille, um, I want to move on to an email that's come in from Mary. Again, Laura reads our emails. Hello. I was reminded on the November 2nd podcast that I forgot to tell you that I got my US government National Library Service Braille display in the state of New York. It is a Zoom Max model that is just a reader, but it does have a spot where you can put in a micro SD card so you could have it read text files. My goal is to write practice sentences and grade 2 Braille characters to help with my Braille learning. The only issue I have so far with it is the only Braille that's on it is the features of a Braille display. Everybody would like to know the USB port and the on button. Otherwise, it must have at least 20 buttons on it, and then I have no idea what they do. But YouTube does have videos, so I have to do more research. Oh, Sean, can I have the other woman's links? It is hard for crochet to be listed in technology, because there is no machine or last I was told, that could replace a human crocheting. Thanks as always, and Laura, you've made me a rock star. Right, Liz? Thanks. Mary Hart. <laughs> okay. okay, can I just say this? Sarah doesn't do crocheting, so I don't, I'm not even sure if I have crochet links, but I will, 
I will email everyone back with everything that I've got uh, vis-a-vis <laughs> knitting or crocheting. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying this, but I will be back in touch. I, I think since we now have the website, why don't we create a page and we have all the, the resources there? And then you can all go and find it from there. Would that not be a better idea than double you knitting. spending the... Yeah, double stitch. Oh, very good. Okay. I've said that five times in this show. You've never picked up on it once. Every single time I say it, you just sit there with a blank look on your face, and I know that. I don't need eyes to tell. I know, but see, I just thought, as as a pity laugh, I will let you have this one. But, uh, oh, thank yeah, you. Very good, double stitch. Are okay. you my wife? Let's... <laughs> Let's yes. Uh, let's <laughs> let's do that. Let's make a page. Okay, we'll, we'll have the double tap knitting page. That'll go along with our new accessible recipe guide we're developing as well. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, I don't know how to keep up with time. People say to me, "Hey, do you want to meet up for a coffee?" I'm like, I can't leave the house. I have got so much to do. Um, oh, but honestly, uh, you know, I think that's what the website's for, right? That's that's exactly why we want to use it. We want it to to. Exp- Band out the conversation. Also, speaking of which, I have mm. something new for you. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Oh, um, but you know, we're coming up to the holidays for me, and uh, no, not for you. Although you know, it could be for you, I suppose. Uh, I'm um, all excited then. Well, you could do some work. That would be useful. Uh. Um, so I'm going to talk <laughs> tomorrow about that this. Would be new. Yes. Yeah, it would be because uh, it, it's a, basically coming up to the holidays. I've got something to share with you. And we're just doing some final checks to make sure everything's good. And if it's all good, then tomorrow we're going to debut something on the website that I think you're going to find a bit of fun. Um, Very simple, but I think it'll be quite cool. And, um, yeah, we'll we'll engage you on that tomorrow. Debut. Mary, thank you for that. Finally, from the emails today, I want to pick this one out from Janine. The subject of this is hands-off. So make of that what you will. (laughs) Hi, Stephen and Sean. I am doubled over laughing, Stephen, at your story of how the young lady from Poland chose to offer sighted guide. Next time I need such assistance and my husband is around, it's his back pocket or nothing. I will admit that once, between guide dogs, I did attach a leash to his belt while walking. I was using my cane, but he kept stopping or taking off without telling me. So the leash is what happens when one does such things. I promptly de-pantsed him when he started to leave me without saying anything. It was purely accidental, and I am sticking to that story. Speaking of ways I've been offered sighted guide, someone about my height, five foot on a good day, tried to guide me by tucking my hand into her armpit. It was, yes, very weird. There's a little Mm. trick, though, when trying to dislodge someone's grip as they try to guide you by taking your hand. Simply bring that hand up like you're throwing something over your shoulder. This makes their arms come up as well, and they, nine times out of ten, will let go for a second. In that second, grab their arm and adjust as needed. I'm not at all sure that would work on a pocket, though. It's not just how we attach for sighted guide, though, as I think it was Sean who noted. Just reaching for or investigating things, we can find ourselves in weird places. This little incident happened long before I met my husband. I was dating someone and we'd agreed to meet at his office building after work to go out. The building had revolving doors, plus regular doors. The regular doors were offset and could swing open hard and fast if someone was coming out, as they did at that time of day. I avoided these doors and opted for the revolving door. I'd been going the right side while people were coming out. What could possibly go wrong? My technique for handling a revolving door is to stick out my right hand and gently feel the door as it passes to tell how fast it's going and if I can step in. Then I grab the bar and start in, giving my guide dog the appropriate commands. 
I was already tired from my own day of work and was really thinking about our favourite bar more than O&M techniques at that point. I'd reached the door several times only to get yelled at by people coming out. They could see me from the other side of the door but still chose to keep going rather than wait for me to come inside. Let's just say I was getting a little impatient. I put my hand out and intended to just grab the bar and muscle my way in. We were on the inward swing of the door anyway. I felt cloth and, uh, man parts under my now gripping hand and jumped back as if electrocuted. Yep, I grabbed someone's junk. Oops. We were super awkward about the whole thing. He left quickly. My guy came out a few minutes later, laughing. Turns out the dude I groped was his boss, whom everyone in the office hated. It made for a great drinking story later, but at the time I was just about ready to die. Sadly, at some blindness conventions, you get groped no matter what gender you are, in the guise of trying to find things. I've bent back fingers, shouted at people and stepped on them when this happens because it's so totally obvious. Now that I'm done laughing at this topic, I can hardly wait to hear more listener reactions and blind blunders. Janine, who is hands off. (laughs) Currently, she's hands off. Wow. Um, We've all been there in, in some form. Yes, I'm guilty, I must admit. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh I mean, dear, it's, it's so embarrassing and awkward. It is. It's so awkward. It's embarrassing, and then later, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> uh, listen, thank you for sharing your stories today, guys. Uh, that is it for us today. Back tomorrow with lots more. Uh, also, going to keep an eye on this humane AI pin story because that is very interesting. I, I pinned that in my uh, oh, notebook. If I had one. Uh, yeah, that's it for today. Keep your feedback coming. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.